Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Norfleet. Today, we have someone who's near and dear to my heart that we will be interviewing. And in true narcissistic fashion, that is me. <laughs> but wait, we're also graced with the presence of the CEO, founder, and quite frankly, boss ass bitch that represents Essence Planner, Kat. Hello. Hey guys, so this is going to be a different interview today because I will be interviewing Mike. I think it's really important for everyone to get to know Mike a little bit more and we can get into like what he likes, what he doesn't like, what his favorite Nicki Minaj song is. So yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> um, yeah, could you actually reintroduce yourself for the folks who might not know much about you? Yeah, so... Um... I go by Mike, but I guess formally I'm Dr. Norfleet. Um, I did some graduate schooling in clinical psychology, um, and I currently work in the federal prison system um, as a staff psychologist. Um, oh, what's a fairly new job for you? How are you liking it? I love it. Um, I've this is my fourth prison that I've worked at, like permanently. Um, wow! And I've done like three others for like a week or two at a time. And I, I love the work. You really see the impact and the ability to work with people that most of society like doesn't care about and doesn't really pay any attention to. Yeah. But I think it's, it's really important work and I, I never leave feeling like, did I make an impact? Like I always go home and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what I'm doing. Wow, that's really cool, especially because I feel like a lot of people are in places in their lives where like they don't know if they like their job and if it's fulfilling. And like especially in America where society is so based on like capitalism and like people are really proud of their jobs, um, but their jobs are not necessarily fulfilling. So I think that's really cool that you're able to like have both um, in your life. No, I love it. I, I think to your point, like it's rare that you can get maybe the prestige and the personal fulfillment. I think a lot of times people go for the, you know, the top law firms or the mm -hmm. Morgan Stanley's or the, you know, all the mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. nice places that they want to work because they have good names, the EYs, the the great companies. But I think sometimes you sacrifice your, your personal happiness, or at least that's what a lot of my friends have said. Um, yeah. And every day I go to work, like I'm happy. Like I don't wake up thinking, oh, I don't want to go to work. Like I, I drive and I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for another day. So that piece is cool. <laughs> Dude, I think, um, I think also your job, it's quite impressive because I feel like it's also very difficult. Like it's heavy. You see like what the inmates are going through and like you're really with them day to day, like you're there and present for them. And so like, how do you, how do you take care of yourself outside of work? Like, how do you leave it there? You know? It's so funny because um it's it's almost like this weird thing that i do like i watch a lot of uh tv and listen to like podcasts and stuff that have to do with like murder cartels oh my God. violence <laughs> like like anything <laughs> like that i love it um and it's 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 almost like giving someone who like has adhd like you give them a stimulant and they already are hyperactive and stimulants typically make people hyperactive. But like <laughs> when you have ADHD, it calms you down. It's like the same for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm around like murder and sexual assault and like a whole lot of gang 
politics and stuff. And then when I get home, like I like continue to tap into that. And that like is how I disconnect. That's really cool. And you're also kind of like living when you at least like are watching a show or listening to a podcast, sometimes like you're living in this like alternate reality where your mind can also be a bit more like creative and be like, oh shit, like this happened in this show. Like power is just such a good example of that. Like there's some crazy outlandish shit that happens in power and you're like, but did this really happen? Like, did you really just kill all those three people and like no one saw? (laughs) And just some of the stuff they say, like, I mean, not to spoil too much, but like I love power when uh when Ghost looked at Tasha when Angie died and he was like, Tasha, I just lost the love of my life. <laughs> and he said that to his wife. Like so savage. Savage. I live for that stuff. Like absolutely. Yeah. Rest in peace, Angie Valdez. Rest in peace to Angela Valdez. Rest <laughs> in peace because ooh, love love her. Uh um speaking of shows, like are you watching anything that you're really interested in? Um, well, I mean, you already mentioned power. I'm watching uh, book three, Raising Canaan. Um, that came out recently, too, right? Yes, so that came out a couple years ago, like the first season started, and now they're on. Yeah, um, other than that, like I'm watching a show on Amazon Prime called Reacher. Okay, never heard of Reacher. It's an action show about a guy who used to be um in like military intelligence and he had a unit and then Mm -hmm. like his brother randomly died and his brother worked for the feds and he died in like a really small town and his brother Mm -hmm. was so he's trying to like figure it out um but it's very action-packed like a lot of like conspiracy and like government influence which is you know right up my alley that's really right up your alley (laughs) what about you are you watching anything interesting Honestly, I will, I'm watching Atlanta for the first time. Atlanta's really cool. I've enjoyed it um, so far. And I really like the way that they storytell. I feel like it's not the typical, here's the plot, here's the evolution of the characters, X, Y, and Z. They do that in a very creative way where like you're not necessarily seeing that projection in real time from the show. Like You get hints of it, um, which I really enjoy. Um, so I've learned to like it. At first, it was weird because... N- I don't really know another show that does it like this. So yeah. And like, it. it's just cool though. The music's so good. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> great. I mean, Donald or yeah, Donald Glover is just so like talented. And if you look at the cast, I think when the show first came out, people weren't as familiar with some of the cast, but like, like he's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Actor. Mm-hmm. I forget his like real name, but the guy that plays Paperboy, he's been in multiple movies and like other yeah. um i love seeing shows like that where like the characters or the uh the actors aren't necessarily like you know a meryl streep or somebody that's like really famous like these are like not well known not well, previously not very well known and then they really pop off because of the show like it's really giving a space for um like especially like that black actors to be successful absolutely yeah and i think that was one of donald Glover's like I, I always think of him as Childish Gambino, but I think that was... I know, right? You're like, not the government name. <laughs> I know, I'm like trying to give the real name, but to me, I'm like, that's childish. Like, that's childish right there. Yeah, yeah. So I've been watching that, and then um, there's like this three-part series, which is actually insane. And we can talk more about this later, but it's basically called like Twin Flame something. It was in Netflix, um, and it's crazy. It talks about like a cult um where people are basically 
it's actually really sad. They're like very emotionally. Um, how do I describe it? It's just like basically people who are really searching for love and who haven't been very successful. And so like this cult preys on those people and says like, oh, like if you do basically what we say, like you'll find love and they make them pay for these classes, which are like thousands of dollars. And then they end up like basically convincing these people to cut their families off. Like it's a whole thing. So I'm on like the second part of it. And then I think uh, I'll be finishing it maybe sometime soon, but it's definitely heavy and scary. At least I find it scary because I'm like, damn, like this shit is real. Like these are real ass people, like fucking conning innocent lives. Like there was this one person in the show who basically violated her restraining order because these people were telling her, no, like that's your twin flame. Like you must do this and that. And yeah, she ended up in jail. <laughs> crazy. Oh, is, uh, I've actually worked with some people um, that were in cults. Um, and that mm, that's wild. Is, it's interesting to see like how they present in prison versus you know what they were doing when they were on that the outside and um, yeah manipulation and the narcissism that you see is like it's fascinating to me like to see how much yeah. you have over somebody just based off of like what you're saying to them like and how yeah. like, I'm like wow like that. that's that's very real and present in the show too which I think is really interesting because like the cult leader is like basically saying he was like another he was like another god basically and you had like they had to listen to him and stuff and it was just crazy anyways maybe you would actually like this because i think you could really psychoanalyze like what's going on from a deeper perspective so yeah check it out it's on netflix i will i'll definitely do that <laughs> um speaking of like your industry i think like i'm also really interested to learn about like i guess like some of the challenges that you face um, working in the prisons and like how you navigate them? I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is with the new First Step Act laws. Um, they, mm -hmm. you know, the intention was to provide like reentry services so that way we're preparing inmates to come back into society. Um, I think the old way that we used to do things is like you got in trouble, you did something wrong, we put you in prison, and then, you know, you serve your time and you get back out and we expect you to have changed. But you know, people came together and they were like, that's not how this works. Um, yeah. I like the process. Yeah. Like I like the intentions, but the thing that sucks is you have, we're directed to prioritize things based on um, like projected release date. And like mm -hmm. and there's some people that have like really long release dates and they really want a program, but they're like, I'm not going to get prioritized because I have somebody um ahead of me you know like so if you have five wow. out date and i have a 2030 out date you're gonna get to do groups and stuff before me so it's like it's hard i guess to kind of like navigate that because we have to follow mm -hmm. the rules but also like you have people that are interested in like changing <laughs> like starting the process and not just like waiting until it's their turn wow yeah that must be really challenging do you feel like there's gonna be maybe a solution for this issue? I feel like there's not really one solution, but or maybe anything that can help this process. I mean, it's it's really just like doing what you can, explaining to people their, the options they have in the meantime while they wait. Um, but what I'm hoping to see is like hiring more staff, not necessarily yeah. or pretty well staffed, but like at other prisons, just so that there's more programming opportunities and like I think that would be good to to help out and that'll have an impact on like the recidivism levels and and all of that so that's something that i'm super passionate about 
Wow. Do you feel like you'll be working in the prisons like within the next 10 years? Yeah. Or what's your hope? Or are you okay. going to run for office? Like, just tell us when. <laughs> uh, my goal is to like continue working for the prison system and like work my way up to where I can like continue making change and maybe write policies or like be um, one of the like key players in like the reentry division. Um, so I mm. think that's can you, Wait, can you, what is the reentry division? So like in the Bureau of Prisons, you have, um, you have different, you have health services and you have reentry and then you have correctional services. So reentry okay. deals with a lot of the programming really. So mm -hmm. like, uh, psychology, um, education, religious services. Wow. Um, we fall under reentry, um, at least for now. Um, and basically we're one of the key players when it comes to providing um programming for the inmates that are going to return to um society so you know anger management wow. trauma groups um cognitive processing therapy um stuff like that is like a sex offender treatment like that's what we mm -hmm. wow those are really great services and i think that like process of like mental recovery is so important for inmates and something that i'm hoping that will also be more invested in in the future because like ultimately like that's what's going to let them persevere in spaces like that mm -hmm. and normalizing it because like culturally a lot of the people that come into the prisons they're not used to um talking about their emotions or their yeah time, whether that be mm -hmm. from a gender standpoint like a lot of men um are just not socialized to express certain emotions besides maybe anger um yeah culturally like a lot of people of color or just like very traditional families where like you keep your business to yourself um and that's not something you share with other people or you go to maybe like a religious leader or something like that so it's mm -hmm. interesting to like breaking down those walls of people that clearly like need help and want to change but they don't know like how and they don't know how to process their emotions wow wow do you feel like um you being also like a person of color really helps you like relate to these kinds of like situations and maybe has helped you kind of like approach these situations as well? Yeah, I do. I think like I was talking with an inmate the other day and he's black as well. And he was telling me that his mom uh, had them eat black eyed peas before New Year's um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tradition. And I was like, we did that in my family. Um, so there's just certain times where like inmates will say things um, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I can relate to that either just as a man, um, mm -hmm. as like a black man or a person of color or a Christian or you know, just different, my different identities. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. there's not a lot of um, male psychologists, let alone like black male psychologists. Yeah, very true. That piece helps out a lot. Do you feel like there's not a lot of like black male psychologists for a reason or, um, yeah, like just tell me more about that. I mean, they did a study like surveying the public, I want to say a few years ago, and they found that like, mm -hmm. I think only like 5% of, like psychologists are black and obviously with research wow. that number yeah. off. so it could be like closer to 10 percent or closer to like mm -hmm. seven but it's really like it's not that many and then yeah. a lot of psychologists are also women so like i think because of that already there's just not many of us in the field mm -hmm. there's a lot more nowadays like it's growing but yeah so not a lot of people want to work in the prison system like they mm -hmm. it's dangerous and they would rather do like a private practice or community mental health, which is great. Um, yeah. 
but I do think there's a need for us in the prison system as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's really cool to also be able, like you said, like normalize, like talking about your emotions. Cause I think men, even out in the real world, don't have the space to do so. And they're encouraged to like not express their emotions openly. So um, that's really cool that they're able to have somebody there that can like really help them conceptualize that and even practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a lighter note, um, <laughs> Do I did wanted to actually ask you about like your opinion on the Nicki Minaj album? Like, how did you like? What what was your favorite song on there? Huh, favorite song? Um, I I like Fifty Cent. So beep beep. I really yes. like. Beep beep um, is cool. Wait, was he on beep beep? He's on like the remix or like the bonus. Oh. But I don't know. I really like uh. Red Ruby the Sleeves. That's probably like yeah. that or Fuck the Club Up. Those are probably like my Yeah, favorite. Fuck the Club Up is yeah. That one goes hard. You? I really like everybody too. Okay. That's a good um one. and I, I forgot the name of the song. Let me look it up really quick. But um I'm just, you know, I love a good like melodic kind of emo vibe sometimes. <laughs> Bad <laughs> girls unite. Um I actually really like Needle too. Okay. Needle with Jake. You know, I just I love a little bop. You know, you wake up in the morning, you can, you can listen to Needle. But I feel like anytime her and Jake collab are always chef's kiss. Yeah, I and Nikki, I feel like, has been on a lot of features. Um, yeah. But I think she hasn't really had, like, an album in a while. Like, so this, that was mm-hmm. cool to see. Um, you should watch her interview with Funny Marco, by the way. Ooh, yeah, I'd be down. I really think she's just so talented, you know, like she can rap, she can sing and like the different voices that she does. Like I was talking to a friend about this recently and they were, um, I think you were the one that actually mentioned like kind of like Doja Cat, like she's very successful because like she's able to like have these different facets in her art, just like, um, just like Nike. Maybe that's where she got it from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know, uh, I, I really like Doja, but I know she's, uh, She's, you know, uh, expressing herself in certain ways recently that doesn't always align with the public. Yes, 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 indeed, indeed. Um, (laughs) Um, It looks like we have time for one more question. Um, And I really wanted to give this one to the listeners. And so could you just like give some listeners some advice on, say necessarily like maybe they're not in therapy, like what other ways they can take care of themselves? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, especially around the time of the holidays. Yeah. I think one of the ways that I like to do it, and I think that worked for me before I dove right into therapy, is kind of like almost like a self-help process or like kind of Mm -hmm. like tapping into self-care. I think that's one of the things I always recommend to clients, to friends, is that even if you don't want to get into the nitty gritty or the deep interventions, just like self-care and that process really helps you to tap into like, okay, am I eating enough? Am I drinking water? Like, am I sleeping? Um, And on that note, we happen to have a really good self-care journal. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that's something that has worked for me is just on a basic level. It's something you can do. You don't have to pay for like an expensive therapist if you're not at that stage yet, but just really thinking about yourself, how you're taking care of yourself. Um, And for a lot of people, it's just 
even reflecting on it. Like a lot of people don't think about it. They're like, I go to work, mm-hmm. I take mm-hmm. care of my dogs or my kids or my relationship and I try to get sleep and I try to have fun, but they don't actually sit down and say, okay, how much am I sleeping? How much water am I drinking? Right, right. Doctor in four years, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, Getting down to the basics. And that's so crazy you mentioned that because I feel like people our age will take all of those little things for granted. We have access to so many things and like coming back to the basics is really important. Are you getting enough sleep? Was it like how many glasses of water are you drinking a day? Um, and having that time to process, I think, is also really important. Yeah. Um, so uh, those are really good recommendations. But self care looks different for everybody. How do you how do you take care of yourself? Well, you know, <laughs> everybody that knows me knows I like to eat. So that's <laughs> getting you know good meals like a balance of cooking. Like I made ribeyes and like cornbread the other day. Yes, for um, everyone out there, Mike's cornbread slaps. I don't care what anybody says. It's the best that I've tried so far. But, you know. Bus and no discussion. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Food is a big thing for me. Um, also, like, one of my one of my good friends from college, he always calls me a narcoleptic. Um, but <laughs> I sleep um, whether I'm in the car, as long as I'm not driving. Um, but if I'm in yeah. the car or if I'm, you know, I get a second, like, I'm going to take care of my sleep needs. And, you know, I, I think that's important. And then. The last thing yeah. is just my dog. Um, Roscoe is a mm-hmm. huge source of self-care for me to walk him and play with him and um, just experience life through him as well. Like that helps a lot. Like you can't really have a bad day when you come home to that cute face and you just. That's so, so true. And he's so well behaved. It's really, you're right. It is hard to have a bad day when you're with the dog who's that fucking cool. Yeah. So that's, that's how I do it. Dang, those are really great ways. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us and letting us pick your brain. Um, We'll catch you guys at the next one. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. This is another episode of 15 Minutes with Dr. Norfleet, and we'll be back with you soon. Happy New Year, and uh, please stay safe.